Inside. Welcome to the Chopping Wood Inside podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I'm your host, Murphy. Tom, you out there? We are on the threshold, my friend. <laughs> we are dwellers on the threshold. The big series finale is what, 48 hours away? Uh, less than 48 hours away. I think <sighs> we've got about uh, 44, 45 hours to Dude, go. How are you feeling? What do you feel about the, the last 48 hours of this season? How are you feeling? Well, just like last uh, podcast, uh, just conflicted emotions. I'm so excited and eager to see the final two hours, but then the ultimate depression that's probably going to follow at some point that uh, this very well may be it. But, How long do you uh, think it'll take for it to hit <laughs> your depression? Like a, tw- a day, two, three? Oh, a, a few week? days, I think, yeah, yeah. because we're going to be, I, th- I would think out of any episode, maybe short of part eight, we're going to be reveling in the fi- the glory of the final two hours for days to come, if not weeks for me. But after we've done probably a series of podcasts on the series finale um, and there's no new material, I might uh, just sink uh, down my own little rabbit hole and uh, not emerge for quite some time. I think I might just continue to do my own Twin Peaks podcast in real life, just go around and tell people about it and kind of just keep it going. You know, that brings up an interesting <laughs> point. I was thinking about this today. There should be a 24-hour Twin Peaks-related station of some sort, like a hotline (laughs) where you can call in. Whether It it would be great to get all the podcasters together, all the great podcasts, uh, Twin Peaks-related podcasts, and have like time slots and just feel like a 24-hour cycle and create some kind of hub where people can tune in and just listen to you know the the uh, variety the you know the various uh, entertainers and uh, podcasters on an endless loop like inevit- or like forever. I would love like that. Sarah Palmer's television. In. Like we'd have to be sucked into the Black Lodge for that. I think. Would you accept an <laughs> invitation to the Black Lodge just to be a part of the eternal time loop of Twin Peaks podcasters? Yes, I, I, would? I would. I would. Yeah, I would. I would like to have like see know. what my doppelganger would be like. Maybe it would be my doppelganger. I don't know. I bet your doppelganger would be a lot cooler than you. <laughs> Probably, right? Yeah, yeah you just you kind of act like a doppelganger sometimes. I'm not sure if you are one. Oh well, you know, Maybe we I should had to... review the entire episode or do an entire podcast as each other's doppelgangers. What do you think? Or as our, our doppels? Well, I think we should at one point in the future <laughs> when we do a podcast, we should actually perform as our doppelgangers. That's what I just said. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't listen to you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you want to start off today? I can start off with my my big theory that I've been thinking about the last day or so is uh, someone on Twitter, I don't know who it is, so this Twitter is always giving me revelations and uh, things to think about, but like yesterday, did you see that tweet I sent out about, uh, or afforded somebody's, I wish I could remember their name, but um, someone caught that that first shot, right when Albert and Tammy start to shoot uh, Diane, uh, that Tammy disappears, like she's not there in the first shot, and then it cuts back to Diane, and then you cut back to them, and they, there they both are shooting again. So I'm wondering what the fuck that means if Tammy is disappearing in that scene for briefly. What do you think she it might tulpa? be? Well, I don't Tammy think. Tammy the Tulpa. She likes, she's fascinated with Tulpas. Maybe she's the Tulpa. Well, she does like say that. like a replicant that... who's very fascinated with replicants. Like, maybe that's what's going on there. Right. She does say the line right after they plug Diane and she is taken from the room that she's like, wow, uh, there was a Tulpa. We saw a Tulpa. 
So there was some foreshadowing. She's the only one that knows how to really pronounce it too. She goes tulpa, tulpa. She just says, pronounces it correctly. So maybe she's she is one. Well, there's been some interesting framing for her character um, in the Buckhorn Bar when she was um, assigned to the Blue Rose Task Force. I think she's framed at, at like where the curtains or the you know the the back of the room is like the red drapes you know which like the lodge represents the lodge and there that was that that whole shot of her in the motel coming to Cole's room right where the door the outside of the door kind of jumped moved and then we have this scene that you discussed so maybe there's some like foreshadowing for Tammy's character and we know um, from Albert and actually from just watching you know, Firewalk With Me and the series that uh, if you're assigned to the Blue Rose Task Force, you have like a 75% chance of, uh, of you know, having a, you know, an unhappy ending or going into some kind of weird realm. So I would presume that one of either Cole, Tammy, or Albert is going to have some kind of uh, you know, unforeseen fate that uh, might mimic uh, Desmond, Cooper, or Jeffries. Yeah, that's very interesting. That kind of blew my mind if Tammy is somehow involved. Uh, yeah, and then we, I, what was it, episode 13, Let's Rock, when they, they indoctrinated her into the, the task force and they gave her the, the lore music a little bit and the red drapes. Is That that was foreshadowing. So Maybe, yeah. Uh, do well, you think Diane... Gordon would be really upset? Gordon would freak out if Tammy gets killed or turns to, turns to the doffel. He would jump into the Black Lodge's saver, I would think. <laughs> Sacrifice his life for Tammy. I want to see Cole at some point uh, wield a six-shooter six again. We saw that in... Uh, Buckhorn, when he had the zone, when him and Albert... <laughs> that would be useless to against so I mean, what would that actually serve? Who would it I kill? just want to see... I, I, the I, I just want to see Cole pull the old six-shooter again. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that we're going to actually get the Blue Rose Task Force in Twin Peaks? Do you think they're going to make it to um, the sheriff's station? Where the shit's up? Well, it's very interesting. I was thinking like maybe it's the motif where they just never get there, you know? Because I think we saw some somebody on, on Twitter again was talking about the stills that were in the trailer from Showtime that we haven't seen yet. And one of them is, is Gordon sitting at his desk. And I was like, could he have gone back? I mean, maybe he doesn't ever get there. I don't know. I mean, they've been pretty inefficient the entire season. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm guessing that in the last episode, part 16, after Cooper left the hospital, that we saw the FBI and uh, the lead care. I can't recall his name. You said Agent Stan, right? Should we refer to him as Agent uh, yeah, Stan? Yeah, Madman called me Agent right. Stan. Headley, he, Headley. I think it's Headley. Okay, Headley um, showed up at the um, hospital Right, so I'm assuming that he's going to investigate where uh, Cooper was and meet up with Bushnell, who's going to give him the note that Cooper gave um, regarding uh, Cole and and pass that information along to Cole. And I'm assuming the information that Cooper wrote down has something to you know uh, relative. It's relative to Twin Peaks. Like he's going to Twin Peaks or meet me at the sheriff station. So I think that. But you that, think he also gave him some sort of like you know secret handshake or something, so he knows it's him. Cooper, he had to write down like probably a little like code word or something. The pearl is in the river or something. You know, something to prove that he knows. Because like remember, he goes in episode four. He was like he didn't greet us right. You know the the oh right right. So he's gonna. I think he probably greet greet them right somehow in that uh, before he tells them whatever it is he's gonna tell them. Well, I also it's it's crazy that he would write a little tiny note. (laughs) Well, I also think that could do anything else. (laughs) Write a note. With all the events uh, that have taken place in Buckhorn, whether in Buckhorn or within Dreams, specifically Cole's Dream, I think, and obviously the the fate of, of Diane being a tulpa, that they have concluded that whoever they saw at the Yankton Federal Prison was not Agent Cooper. 
And if they get wind of another Cooper, well, the actual Agent Cooper in Las Vegas, and a message saying that he's going to Twin Peaks, I, I don't think there's going to be any doubt, in uh, Cole's mind at least, that uh, Agent Cooper has returned and, uh, and uh, they're going to meet up with him. Yeah, I mean, you think they've got – I think the whole gang's showing up in Twin Peaks, right? I mean, I would like the whole episode to start in Twin Peaks, and that's it. Like, there's no reason to be anywhere else at this point, right? Well, yeah, other than uh, the Blue Rose Task Force, their, their plot thread, I think, uh, is going to be minimal in Buckhorn. They're still in Buckhorn, but I think they're going to gas up they have to go file jet. some paperwork because of the whole Diane thing? <laughs> no, no. Base, file some paperwork? No. <laughs> but what a really just major blunder on their part, basically, to recruit Diane. Uh, first to actually well, confirm. Well, I thought it was they did it on purpose to keep her close. Like, they knew what was up with her and that they, they could, I don't know how they knew, but. Not originally, knew. no. No, not originally, right? I mean, Cole said. He well, he wanted- did say as soon as he hugged her. After he hugged her, he knew she wasn't right. He, that was in episode four. So since then, he's had an inkling, I think. Yeah, but I'm just saying beforehand. Right. Basically, you know, Cole, you know, suggesting to Albert that they get Diane to confirm uh, whether or not. Mr. C is Mr. C or, or Agent Cooper um, that of course after that like you said with the hug and everything that happened afterwards they were trying to keep her close but to actually bring her into the fold was was I think just a way to incorporate obviously the Diane character into the narrative because I think that without her they would have come to the same conclusion that Mr. C or Agent Cooper the, the Agent Cooper that they thought they saw was not Agent Cooper and all the other events with the dream and Briggs and everything would have uh, unfolded just like they happened. Diane really was just there to um, act as this mysterious um, like interloper, or um, you know, obviously to give Cooper or Mister C the uh, the coordinates. And she would have never done that if she hadn't been recruited by Cole. Do you think that you, did you notice that uh, when she took her cigarettes out, her American spirits, uh, in the big tension-filled scene when we were wondering if she's going to pull her gun, he takes out her cigarettes and puts them on the table, takes out the lighter, and doesn't smoke any of them. And then later on, she cuts back, you, and you look into the purse, and there's another pack of American spirits underneath the gun. Did she have two packs, or was that a continuity error? Or a doppel pack? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't notice that myself. So, um there well, got some weird had. shit going on in that scene with Tammy disappearing, two American cigarettes uh, packs appearing. What the and hell? Cole's reaction throughout. Cole? He doesn't say yeah. a whole the word until the very doing? end. Yeah, I think he's he had some kind of premonition of what was going on. And I looked at that scene again because uh, Caitlin, uh, one of our friends on on uh, in t- on Twitter, she thought that um, Cole or Diane was pointing the gun at Albert. And I looked at the scene again, and it very well may be that, but it looked like just in the position that she was aiming at Cole. Um, so I thought that, and then also the text that uh, the, the smiley face and the all, I think when we've speculated on this, the last two podcasts, what it might mean, and there's two very valid theories, but when she's kind of conflicted about, I guess, you know, what she needs to do after revealing um, the story of what happened that night and talking about being in the sheriff's station I think she looks at her phone again, where it says, you know, where it has the smiley face and all. Yeah, and, wasn't and then the that's when she reaches for later? the gun. Wasn't the timestamp a minute? Timestamp of that one was different than the timestamp of the first all. 
Yeah, right. Was it a four thirty one, and then it was four thirty two or something? I think. So did she get two timestamps or two uh, two of those alls? I don't know. I uh, that whole thing with the timestamps. I mean, there's been a lot of chatter about that, and uh, like I said, I really believe that Mr. C is sending these to like another server, and there might be some kind of delay. And the whole thing with the timeline is all kind of wacky as well um, with Mr. C, and also with his uh, message to or his dialogue with Jeffries saying that or asking Jeffries if he called him five days ago. Well, in part two, it looked like or it appeared as if Mr. C called Jeffries and not the other way around. So is that um, should we presume that there was another scene where Jeffries tried to contact Mr. C and we never saw that? Or is that really related to the scene in part two? Uh, wait, I thought Jeffries said he didn't call him in part two. That that was some, some other imposter, right? Well, no, he said... Jeffries didn't do it, but I think it did happen five days ago. I don't understand how that would work. Well, but, but he said specifically, did you call the, me... The, he was referring to the Albert uh, call, I think. That's what I thought, <laughs> but it didn't look like he placed that call, right? It looked like he got on, you know, after he killed Daria, you know, he pulled out that black box and he connected, so he plugged yeah, it I can't in. Yeah, who called who? Like, it wasn't a hello or a ring, right? I think somebody was there, right? It was Jeffries, yeah, so we don't know who called... So I think call. it's it, it, that... The, this is what I think, is that when they were Lynch and Frost were writing the script, obviously all of these scenes are, are you, know, you know, littered throughout. But when Lynch went to cut it, you know, so there are certain like, time jumps in the sense because we haven't had Mr. C in like every episode. And the reason why it's not linear is, in my opinion, for like editing purposes and actually trying to have like... Each episode. Oh, yeah, and they might, may have not even known how they were going to cut this fucking thing together. I don't you know think they saying? did, yeah. So I yeah. think that when that he sense. said, did you try to call me five days ago, well, that might have actually like been consistent yeah. in the Mr. script. C's timeline, yeah, that it, it is. But I always when imagine they, it is somehow. It's just that they've chopped up this fucking crazy... It's been so chopped up that it doesn't seem like that, obviously, because we've been you know 16 episodes in, and he says five days. Well, that, and that would also that make sense, too, with the inconsistencies with Bobby at the double R... Um, like those two scenes specifically, with the, the, when the guns rang, the gun, the gunshots rang out, and then when he showed up and we saw Big Ed saying like, "Oh, I just got the message from my dad today." When that happened, like four episodes prior, so I don't think I, I really, really don't think that we were dealing with some kind of like time jump or time inconsistency. I think it's part of uh, Lynch. It's an artistic choice to move certain scenes into um, like certain places to fit the you know the theme of that individual episode but one thing i want to talk about i don't think it's hey, before we go on i want to i want to finalize okay. that one scene is that i think i may have figured out why he put the damn smiley face there why like i was like what the fuck is that all about and then i was watching the diane scene and she's talking about how he kissed her and he saw she saw fear and he smiled and in his face oh, his face that's good that's and it's good. like that was the fucking bob smile emoji to fucking freak her out i think and remind her of the bob smile oh that's good did you come up with that yourself? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I haven't heard anywhere else. I was like, but that's got to be it, right? No, maybe I, the dot. Maybe the dot equals the Bob smile. Well, <laughs> no, yeah. no, that's good no because one does that the Bob. See, I always thought that the smiley face was indicative of Mister C still being around and not being, you know, electrocuted like little Dicky Horn at that location. That maybe what Diane was doing is that I always feel that Diane has always been conflicted since we've seen her. She's obviously a tulpa, but she was created from Diane, who I, I we have seen the real Diane, but I'm presuming that she was 
you know, of noble spirit or good. She's not, you know, evil in any way. I'm she's sure the she's the between a cabaret singer and a saint, Tom. Right, exactly. So I think that her motives have been murky throughout. And even in her final scene, I think she's still struggling to, when she, she even says coop at some point at the bar, I think that there is a conflict within her but she, it's like that whole Manchurian Candidate thing that um, that you suggested. That at some points, like she just reverts to like you know the mind control of Mister C, and the, the the smiling face was a, a reference to him not dying where uh, at that location where Lord Dicky Horn did. But it also what you say makes complete sense as well. So um, it's part of the well, mystery. I wanted to right? have more. I wanted to have more Bob in the scenes, and so there's another Bob presence that has made it. <laughs> I just inferred it. <laughs> right, right. The Bob emoji, but I do. I really do truly feel that that is the part of the menace and part of why, like that, that triggers her somehow. That little evil fucking reminds her of the Bob smile. Well, the, the, uh, when we see the two shots, when she looks at it, the first yeah, shot is at the bar, so. and she completely, she's completely terrified. Would it be cool if they did a little tiny seat, like the one little CGI of the red room over the Mr. Jackpot, see a little tiny little emoji of Bob going, I, 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 right before it. In, in I would text, love, right? Yeah. Embedded. <laughs> Do you think we're going to see, like, Bob himself in these final two hours uh, at some point? Dude, I hope so, right? I mean, they kind of teased yeah. us. They had him popping up almost every episode for a while there until whatever, he dropped off. I guess episode eight is the last time we saw him, right? Um, we got pulled out of, of Coop or the big, whether he did or not, but he got the Bob bubble out of his, uh, by the woodsman. When he well, got there was shot. the one the shot. Him, right? There was the one shot, the, you know, the shot that we had seen in part eight. Oh yeah. When the Andy, Bob the yeah. Bob bubble, when Andy was yeah. looking at the clues that the firemen um, presented. Yeah. Him. So I really hope, I mean, I think, I think so. I think that he knows they're giving us the fan. They know we want to see where, and that's the big, that's a huge mystery. I think in the story, how many hours have you and I, and no doubt many other podcasters just, uh, argued over uh, whether Bob is still inside Cooper or not. And then if he's not, then where the fuck is he? I think that is going to be revealed. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. But I still think that he's within Mr. C. I don't think he ever left. I know, like I said, I keep on repeating that I might be in the minority here, but I see no reason for him to have left uh, Mr. C. Now, I know that the woodsman seemingly, I wouldn't say extracted him, but like kind of like conjured him uh, where he, the Bob bubble within Mr. C kind of levitated. But I always thought that was for the audience to see that within Mr. C and for Ray to see it so he could communicate that information to Jeffries. But um, if, I think at the very minimum, though, if let's say Mr. C dies, that somehow Bob will escape out of him, you know, and keep going. Like, he's not going to die, right? Well, we'll no, I, can you kill Bob? I don't think, No, you know, right? I, he's a can spirit. You? I mean, can, can any of them die? No. Mike, the jumping man, the woodsman, I, I think that they're spirits. Just, you know, spirits don't die. They linger. Yeah, he's like the, the eternal flame of damnation. You can't put him out. So right. at some point, well, I mean, obviously Mr. C is probably going to die, I would think, right? So No, no. I, like, we, like, oh, yeah, we talked about that. You don't think so. Talk about that. That's very intriguing. I like that idea. Keep, well, I, I was thinking about it, and it just seems too easy, right, that now that the one-armed man gave uh, Agent Cooper the ring and reiterated that the other one didn't go back in, um, that whatever confrontation that we're going to see between Agent Cooper and Mr. C is going to result in Agent Cooper triumphing and putting the ring on Mr. C and him returning to the Black Lodge and there would probably be the one-armed man and that he could possibly even say, you know, I, you know I, I'm with you again. Just like, you know, it, it could, be, could have been him on that uh, a call to Mr. C in part two and being with Bob again. Like this whole thing was to return Bob to the Black Lodge. But I don't think it's going to be that cut and dry. I think what could very well happen 
is that neither Agent Cooper or Mr. C die. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Wonder Man said one of you has to die. But I think it's possible that when Mr. C shows up in Twin Peaks to that place, which I think might be the location near Jackrabbit's Palace where Andy um, was pulled into the vortex and uh, saw the fireman, that if Mr. C goes there, I think it's very possible that he has the same... Um, the same thing happened to him that he actually gets pulled in that that's what his plan is and he goes into that domain whether it's the White Lodge or not and it would be a flash to the Giants or the Firemen's conversation with uh, Cooper in the part one where he says it's in our house now that Mr. C and Bob have now infiltrated entered, ooh, entered yeah. that and what Cooper is doing or what the Firemen is instructing him with a series of clues um, our, our reference to this um, happening and whoever these characters Richard and Linda are I don't think it's Little Dicky Horn obviously I don't think that uh, Linda is whoever the wheelchair bound person is at the Fat Trout trailer park that these are clues for a potential fourth season and if a fourth season does happen that the main narrative uh, the crux will be this battle in this kind of otherworldly sphere between Cooper and and Mr. C, uh, Mr. C um, and the corruption of the White Lodge. Now, I don't think it would all obviously take place, you know, in these domains, but uh, I just don't see this image of Mr. C, like, you know, dying on the ground and Cooper putting the ring on him and poof, him disappearing into the Black Lodge. It just seems too easy. Yeah, that's very interesting. So he could be, they could be like two Doctor Whos chasing each other around the galaxies and the timescapes and like, you know, enlisting other like agents uh, for the one episode of the White and Black Lodge to do their bidding in whatever plane they're in. They're in and they serve as like some sort of like guide to each of them. <laughs> yeah. That's a totally different show, but I think it's very interesting. Um, it's a yeah. very interesting angle uh, to not have, to have it continue. Um, but do you think people would be pissed off by that? Because I mean, Coop's back, right? So that, people would be happy with that. You know, if Mr. C dies, I don't think that people would be upset if, they, if he doesn't die. <laughs> well, Mr. C could die, but I don't think Bob will die. But Yeah, you know, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Sir. Yeah, okay. I think that's the, the whole key here. Oh, so you think, I thought you said Mr. C wasn't going to die. So I mean, you, you do think Mr. C's going to die and the uh, Coop's going to just continue to chase Bob and another, another four. It could be one of the two. I, mean, I yeah. just don't think it's going to be as cut and dry as Mr. C just returning to the Black Lodge. Um, I think there's going to be more, more to that. And what it could mean is that wherever Bob came from I think is tied to the experiment and it very well could be that they all originated like the good and evil originated in the location that we're seeing with the, the giant if you want to consider that to be like heaven and the fireman the giant like as a godlike figure and Mr. C or the experiment being like a Lucifer and being cast out and um, we're seeing the fallout of that on earth and what's happening is that at some point Bob, Mr. C, well, Bob through the vessel of Mr. C is trying to either return to that domain uh, to corrupt it or to overtake it. And it's this battle between light and darkness. It's just not happening in our world. It's happening in this other sphere. That's, that's kind of where my mind is going of where it, it could possibly lead. I just don't think it's going to be, like I said, just this easy peasy scene of, you know, Cooper plugging, you know, or killing Mr. C and him returning to the Black Lodge. Do you think we're going to get, like, the season finale of the original series, like, you know, fucking hour in the lodge <laughs> the next two hours or something <laughs> like that, you know? 
No, because I think the wild card is uh, Laura Palmer. I think that uh, finally we're going to um, keep see the. That. Well, come on, right? We're here at the end. I mean, I, I can't be wrong. She's got to show up. No, she's got to show up in these last two episodes. There's no sure. more. Yeah, there's no she's more preview podcast, so I can't be wrong anymore. I've been wrong right. like what 15 times. So you were I, wrong I'm the gonna... entire the entire season until this episode, this preview pod. You will be right. So talk about it. You think Laura's going to show up next episode? What do you mean? Never heard. Yeah, of well, time. I I firmly believe that the reason why not only that Cooper created or gave his you know the the hair his DNA to the one armed man to seed a new uh, Dougie, a Tulpa, or another Cooper, um, is not only for maybe insurance for Janie E. and Sonny Jim, but to also be in two places at one time is to find Laura, per Leland's instructions in part two, and bring her to Twin Peaks. I just don't think that Cooper is going to find Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks, because I think that if Laura was living another life, so close to Twin Peaks, someone would put it together, right? Hey, you look almost yeah. exactly like yeah. Laura Palmer. Yeah, you look just like her, yeah. yeah. So I've always... What's the, over, what's the Las Vegas betting, Mitchell Brothers betting line over under <laughs> on how many lines? If Laura Palmer shows up, how many lines like will she have? I don't know. I think like she's three gonna, or less, three or more. No, I think she's going to have more under 10. What do oh, you think? More than 10. I think she's going to really, have, yeah, I think that's a lot. I think that since you think she's going to speak like a real human being, like, Hey, how's it going? Like, Oh yeah, I'm Laura. You know, something like that. She's going to be, you know? Yeah. I think that, I uh, live like, reverse. <laughs> no, I think that, uh, like I've said, when she was taken from the lodge in part two, I've always like thought that, if she did return to Earth, which I pres- I'm presuming that she did, that she was living a life uh, comparable to what Cooper was living as Dougie, and that she didn't really know that she was Laura Palmer. And she very well could have a family. Obviously, she's, I think, going to look like Cheryl Lee looks right now, like in her mid to late 40s. And I'm assuming that she probably is living some kind of like blue-collar life and, and has a family. And then this mysterious character is going to show up you know, Agent Cooper or his Tulpa, and that she's going to have some kind of recall, just like Cooper has had recalls of seeing Laura in the lodge, like in part three when Jay dropped him off at the uh, Silver Mustang Casino, and that they're going to come together, and he's going to somehow convince her that it's very important to come with him to Twin Peaks, because I think that she, she has these delayed memories that are going to start to arise, that she'll know that she's playing she she's playing an integral role and then they're going to return to twin peaks so i think she will have uh like a, a pretty meaty role here in the final two hours and obviously i think it's integral to what's going to transpire and i really think that um the hub of all the evil or not all the evil excuse me of, of like all like you know the, the main event is not only the sheriff station but also the electrical pole number six near the Fat Trot trailer park and also Sarah Palmer's house. Because I really believe that Sarah Palmer, we're going to get a return of whatever the hell's going on inside of her. And she's going to play a role. And I also speculate that we might get one more scene with Leland. Uh, is it possible that the two questions that the fourth Dale Cooper, uh, Kale Cooper might have like a French <laughs> accent or a goatee or something to differentiate him? And then also, is it possible that uh, like Coop could like go into the lodge and then appear to Laura, just like the one our man has been appearing to him, like with the red, you know, like and give him give her instructions as a lodge entity 
himself. Oh, you mean like the one our man was giving to Cooper? Yeah. Like Cooper would play that role to Laura? Yeah, like we'll see Laura living her life and then she'll go somewhere oh. and somehow, boom, there it is. And it's Cooper this time in the lodge. Going As like, opposed to Laura, Laura giving him clues all along. Yeah. Now it's reversed. Oh, that's very yeah. interesting. I didn't think I like about that. that. I, do, I do too. Yeah, I, 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 I don't it know. It just seems kind of corny or weird that there's going to be a scene like with some doppelgooper driving out into wherever and meeting up with Laura, living some life and having some sort of rational <laughs> human conversation here in the last two hours. It just doesn't seem you know, congruous with the style of Lynch. It seems like he might do something wild. Oh, I think, yeah, we're not, I mean, we don't know what the hell's going on. We're just trying to put the, the puzzle pieces together. But I think that if the one-armed man did uh, as Cooper instructed him and created a new Cooper, that there will be some kind of instructions to him. And if it's related to, to Laura, obviously, so he knows what his mission is. Um, and it very well might be in the lodge because I'm assuming that's where uh, this manufacturing will take place so I think that we're going to get a few scenes here in in the Black Lodge and I think what we're also going to do I mean there's going to be some really big revelations I think we're also going to get some kind of revelation with the one-armed man and what his role has been in this narrative um, like tied to uh, possibly Jeffries and trying to um, get Mr. C back into the lodge or Bob back to the lodge because I don't think uh, uh, the one our man in all of this time we, we keep getting flashes of him that he's like in the intervening you know moments he's been you know just doing his Tai Chi and you know putting some uh, more hair dye to look younger I think that what he's been doing is that he's been actively involved in the Mr. C storyline whether with Ray and somehow giving that guard the ring or with Jeffrey. So I think he's really actively been working behind the scenes um, and not depending on Cooper to, to wake up um, and, and ultimately pull it off. Uh, yeah, I agree. Do you think we're going to see Andy in the lodge or Andy involved somehow? Because, right? <laughs> yeah, well, there's already, that, you know, there's that great scene and, and he, with his uh, these, the clues from the fireman yeah. where Andy and is Lucy leading Lucy. Going up to that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that. Yeah, I, I'm going to get that scene. Right. Oh, I think. Yeah, I, I'm pretty certain that we're going to get that scene. What that means. I, I, I don't know. Like, where do you think that takes place? Do you think that takes place at the Calhoun Memorial Hospital, or is that in the sheriff station? Or is I thought it, it was. In the, I always thought it was in the sheriff station. Okay. Yeah, it's in the sheriff station. Okay. Right? All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it, it could. I just it, it didn't look too familiar, but um, we haven't seen obviously all of the sheriff station. But you're probably right. Yeah. No. Dude, I what about? I want to know about also Becky. Where are we going to get any resolution with that? Because if you want to tie back, the, if, if something has to do with that number six electrical pole, that could be very well right where Becky. Her dead corpse could be laying there still, rotting after two days because Stephen killed her in episode 15. Yeah, no, I think that— Are we, we... going to go back to that or, you know, what? <laughs> well, no, was I... it a ruse? You know, I mean, I think it could very well be the end of Stephen's storyline, but I think it would be a weird-ass ending for Becky, you know? Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right about uh, Stephen's storyline possibly ending. I think he did kill himself in the woods there. Uh, but I do think we're going to get—well, if Becky's not dead already— um, I think that either we're going to see her again or we're going to get the reaction if something did happen to her from either Bobby and Shelley. And I think what we're going to get uh, from Bobby and Shelley is, I'm not going to say some final resolution like Big Ed and Norma, but I think that it would be really, uh, can you imagine how like heartbreaking it would be if um, they find out that something tragic happened to Becky, but that brings them together again? And she leaves red and realizes that she needs to be with Bobby. But the, you know, the, the sack. Oh, no, I don't want to see that. But, <laughs> I don't want to see but them they don't have their daughter. Tragedy. 
No, but I, <laughs> don't you think it's it could mirror and like be the, uh, the doppel of Big Ed and Norma? Could yeah, I mean, I could reaction. See it. Sure, sure. No, I can see it, but uh, that would be horrible. I don't want I don't want Becky to go out like that. That would be horrible. Yeah, I don't. But also be not good for the whole string of women as victims. I mean, come on, she was our, one of our hopeful characters in there. She's going to overcome the Laura Palmer syndrome and be able to fight back against the abuser uh, Stephen. They just snuff her out off camera like it was nothing. I think that would be very rude to her character. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. Well, no, I, I I don't know. I can't really, like, thinking about her character and that whole dialogue in the woods between Gersten and Steven seemed, like, nonsensical, talking about rhinoceroses and turquoise and, like, lightning and Yeah, but, like, I like the ideas, like, the rhinoceros is what the tea kettle and the electrical is, like, the giant, the electricity bottle is the giant, turquoise is the purple room, and <laughs> people making all kinds of uh, connections there to their, his gibberish. Yeah, the only thing that I can think about that would actually be, like, legitimate to connect it to the, the, the scenes that you describe is if their presence in the woods is somehow influencing them. I don't think that there were moments outside of that particular scene where Steven and Kirsten either together or isolated are having like these epiphanies or these moments like like seeing the fireman or seeing Bob Kirsten or, did look like she was looking up in, in you know at, at the at a possible portal right and she was out there around that time remember I was thinking maybe she was there the next day she was looking up all the sadness kind of went off her face I wonder what that means if yeah you know it's it's so fascinating that her character, I mean, it's really only two scenes, um, and that they brought her, like Lynch brought, Lynch and Frost brought her back to be Stephen's, like, other woman, and to have this scene um, in the woods where possibly Stephen killed himself and not have any other resolution for her character. Like, it just seems like it could have been any random character. Why did they choose to bring Gersten back and put her in, like, you know, this role as obviously drugged out? sleeping with a married man. It just seems so, uh, I'm not saying unnecessary, but having the scene with Doc Hayward, like seemingly retired, you know, catching trout and uh, just living the good life, you know, the last years. And uh, But meanwhile, his daughter is completely sparkled out and, you know, crumbling and uh, not having any kind of like positive influence on her. And we've had no uh, mention of Donna, or Harriet, who still might What be, happened to Harriet, man? She might still she be like, contempla- uh, contemplating the full blossom of the evening. We don't know. She went know. to Burning Man for sure. I think Harriet went to Burning <laughs> Man and was never seen again. And Donna moved far away when she found out her father was Benjamin Horn. And, uh, he, you know, Doc Hayward seemed to have uh, had children late in life, right? He was, like, kind of old. Or maybe he wasn't. Maybe it was normal. But he seemed a little bit old for fatherhood, for having all these this herd of girls. It seemed like he couldn't handle them all. Well, so, maybe. Uh, well, you know, he's retired now, and he's just let them live their life. Yeah, but that it is family, disturbing. The, the, the family, yeah, go ahead. But that family dynamic was really one of the stronger like, yeah. units. Yeah. Well, what happened in, to the mom? What happened to the uh, Zoe Deschanel's uh, mom? Yeah. yeah, Mary Jo Deschanel, yeah. Eileen Hayward. Well, we haven't seen her. We've had no mention of her. She could be with Doc. We don't well, know. Dude, we don't know. Remember the last scene was Doc Hayward dropping to his knees going, no, you know, and so he may have just gone snap crazy and just run them all off. You never know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't. It's, uh, it really is that, that dynamic, the Hayward Hoping dynamic. Hoping to meet Coop on the way out of the emergency room and, like, come back to my house. Like, that's a good thing you can see. Well, he said, didn't he say door, yeah. that he saw that face? Just like Diane? Yeah. Like he oh, saw yeah, he saw the smile, too. Yeah, he saw the evil. Yeah, very fascinating. He's touched by the devilish one. Yeah. <laughs> well, what anyway, I want... there's something fucked up in the Hayward house. It's sad right, to say. So right. We probably won't get any resolution to that. Right. Well, one thing I want to talk about, it was uh, 
I want to talk about a little bit before. And I know that Lynch, obviously with Sunset Boulevard being one of his favorite films, he's talked about it um, endlessly in a series of interviews. And obviously it was the key component for Cooper awakening the mention of Gordon Cole. Um, But uh, there's also, I know that Lynch is a fan of uh, Louis Bunuel, who's one of my favorite filmmakers. And one of my favorite movies is uh, The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, which was uh, released in 1972. Now, uh, first of all, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's certainly worth your time. It's a fascinating uh, film. I don't think it's related to this narrative, other than the film is based on a series of, uh, it's based on a, a, a group of people, the bourgeoisie, who are trying to have a series of dinners and get-togethers, and it never uh, never unfolds, it never happens. They're always distracted, something happens. But what starts to happen within the narrative is each character starts to have a dream. And what happens over the course of the film is that their, their characters are having dreams about other characters, and at, at some point, we don't like a, a dream is happening from a completely different character, and it's a series of dreams within dreams. And it made me think because I've seen the film so many times, and Lynch is such a Boonwell fan. The idea of the dreamer, which obviously was a big component in part 14, uh, with Cole's dream about uh, you know with Monica Bellucci, and the notion of living inside of a dream and characters living within some kind of dream and this 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 godlike or omniscient dreamer who is spinning you know these these uh, these dream mr dreamweaver um made me think of the discreet uh, the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie because i know lynch is a fan of Boonwell and that these series of dreams within a dream like this unfolding and we haven't really gotten a lot of that here in the series there was a lot of speculation Kinda like inland empire you mean like well how that devolved yeah, yeah. well no, but, yeah. yeah i mean lynch described inland empire before the screenings he quoted the upanishads we live inside a dream um you know, and he he quote he made that quote, so it's obviously very relevant to him. But um, like I said, do you think it's possible Lynch will go down the rabbit hole like that and create some sort of like ending that is really defying explanation? <laughs> we'll be like, well, like that was what the fuck was that? You know, like or, or is, do you think Frost will rein him in and keep him in a narrative uh, straight line here at the end? Well, I, I would think that when they uh, constructed the, the the new story, that they knew like where they wanted to end it. I don't think they came to it. I think that, you know, they described or they you know started you know spitballing and they knew what obviously they wanted to say and how it would end. So I think it was probably collaborative. Now, who had, you know, the, the, the better idea or the idea? We don't know. But I'm assuming Lynch, especially like visually, isn't going to end it um, without some ambiguity. I think there's he's gonna, they're going to leave something uh, for us to speculate on. For you know whether there's a new season or not, I just don't think it's going to be like a Blue Velvet, where or a Wild at Heart, where it's we've got this ending, this this really kind of defined ending, and there's you can speculate about other things that that transpired beforehand, but it ended on a very resolute note. I don't think we're getting that. I think we're going to get some kind of ambiguity related to uh, Agent Cooper, and very well maybe with Bob if Bob is not eliminated because I don't think he will be. Mr. C might be, but I think Bob will continue to exist. What are the odds that you think that uh, Lynch has the gall to give us another just mind-bending, you know, unclosed ending <laughs> like he did the, the first time around? Like, you know, yeah, I like, don't think, yeah. what if he just gives us one of those? I don't no? think we're going to get the house Annie that's completely, um, like, out of left field. No one, I think, back in 1991 
when that uh, when the final. What if Coop goes aired. like you know what like Mr. C runs into the lodge or whatever and he's like I gotta go get him you know and he d- disappears and that's it. <laughs> We're like. <laughs> What? He's off on his, his adventure, you know? Like, would people be happy with that? Or would they be like, what the fuck? They want Cooper to end on Earth, like, happy. Well, no, like, I... After defeating someone. It could what, be like Empire Strikes Back or something, uh, you know, where they, they, you know, don't win the battle, but they win the war. You can have right. one of those. But he has to have some sort of small uh, victory you know, within the scene, you know, within this episode, I would think, and have him be resolved, <laughs> living on Earth, and have, you know, for the fans to not be like, what the fuck? And if he does disappear again, he's off on some Doctor Who adventure... For season season four, chasing Bob around the astral planes, <laughs> I would love it actually. But uh, I don't know. What, do you, what would you think? What do you think? Well, I think. I, out there, well, I, I think there's two options. I mean, there's a. Is he going to go crazy and just defy expectations and just leave us completely like, what in the fuck, you know? Or is he going to go like, oh, uh, like just like last episode and give us some fan service, you know? Well, I think it's going to. There's going to be some ambiguity, but I think there's going to be a satisfying conclusion, um, because I think that. They didn't even know. I think they probably have ideas for a fourth season. They very well may be writing it or have already written parts of it. But I think this particular iteration has a very like defined ending, but not without its ambiguity. So you can look at even Firewalk With Me, where Laura has a, kind of a happy ending. She's in the law, where we don't know exactly where she is. I mean, obviously, it's the Red Room. We don't know if it's the Waiting Room. We don't know if it's the Black Lodge, the White Lodge. But the angels appear, and we would think that the angels wouldn't appear in the Black Lodge. And there's Cooper, and Cooper is already, you know, presumably trapped in the lodge because he's there right when she dies. And so there is some finality um, to that to that character for that character and for us as an audience. But there's still a lot of mystery as to why Cooper is there and what this means for Laura's like future spirit. So I think we're going to get something comparable. Um, here at the end, because if you uh, look at the the episode titles, part 17, I think, is The Past Dictates the Future, and part 18 is What's Your Name? And I've been speculating all along that what we're we're seeing here um, over time, especially in Twin Peaks, because Twin Peaks has felt more like a deer meadow in Firewalk With Me and less like the, um, uh, the events of the original series, that the glow which has been fading for maybe 25 years that the log lady said is going to somehow return a golden glow will return with agent cooper and laura palmer here at the end and whatever we're left with could be this mobius strip where it could tie into the events of the original series now i'm not saying there's going to be a body that's going to wash up on the shore or Agent Cooper is going to enter town and pull out his dictaphone and start, uh, you know, uh, speaking to Diane. But if Laura does return and she is alive, as she says, and she doesn't die here in these last two hours, um, that the past dictates the future, we could have like a whole new, like a whole new Twin Peaks, like a whole new mystery a whole new set of circumstances that could open up all these possibilities for future stories in a positive light, but with a lot of mystery within it. Uh, like the Dick Laurent is dead thing. <laughs> that would, I mean, come on, Lost Highway, right? Is his darkest film. Would you agree with that? Even more so than Eraserhead? Uh, yes. I, I mean, by that. far, I think Lost Highway is his darkest, darkest film. I think it's his most ble- his bleakest ending um, I don't think 
I think there's a reason why that film is kind of an outlier um, with with that narrative and with that ending. Um, obviously, Lynch is uh, inspired by ideas, and it just that's just that was what dictated the story. But that's just that's the outlier. I don't think we're going to get anything comparable here at the end of uh, of Twin Peaks. Well, maybe like he'll, he'll end up restoring the orb, the gold orb to the universe, and all is well and stuff. But maybe he's gone, you know. And <laughs> maybe Lord, like, I want, I'm Who? like Cooper. Like maybe he's not even on Earth. You well, know? yeah, I, feel I like think he has to kind of like go through some sort of hero's drug. I mean, is he going to go try to save Audrey? Is Audrey trapped? You know, save Audrey? Has he got like some work to do? He's not just going to walk into a lodge. He's got to go, you know, help some people. He's been helping people. He wants to continue to help people, right? Well, one of the things that is very interesting about Cooper is that... A lot of people need help in Twin Peaks, Tom. They do. Yeah, but would you think he would say, Agent Cooper, I don't think he's going to die, or if he does die... What if he time travels back to all the other scenes where people were fucked up and he helps them? Like, he picks Johnny up off the floor, he helps Charlene Yee up off the ground, like, he, you know, gets Sylvia, you know... (laughs) Well, he's making it all right so that everything that went bad was not there anymore. He just erases it. Well, his presence, right, as Dougie, or living the life of Dougie Jones, even though he was not intelligent or able to formulate any real, you know, sentences or uh, really kind of emote other than like glimpses here and there, but his mere presence brought goodness and brought light to these characters who were you know, troubled, whether it's the, the, the lady at the casino, uh, Lady Jackpots, whether it's the Mitchum brothers, whether it's Tom Sizemore. I think with his family, I think Janie E. and Sonny Jim were troubled before his arrival. So just Cooper's presence brought a whole like lightness to all, everyone that he encountered. And what's fascinating to me is that Cooper's like ending in the original series and the subsequent 25 years was him having to deal with his failure uh, in uh, meeting his shadow self and allowing his shadow self to kind of overtake him and go out into the real world and him being trapped. But when he does does return, even though he's not Agent Cooper as we've known him, whatever is within him is so potent, is so powerful and good, is affecting everyone else. So what you're saying about Twin Peaks... I think so. When he does return, I think he'll have the same effect on the community. I just don't know if if he doesn't die, if he does live, if he'll stay in Twin Peaks. Ooh, I don't think he... Why would he stay in Twin Peaks? That doesn't make any sense. He's going to buy the old house at Decked Off Farm and just... You know, <laughs> right. No, it's... I, right. no, it's I don't... About the sycamore trees? <laughs> I don't think he would, but do you think he would go back to the FBI and resume the, the Blue Rose case, the hunt for other tulpas? Yes, and... I would think... Well, yeah, I would think so. I think he's got... He's been hanging... He's ready to go. He's raring to go, man. Although, you know what? I mean, everyone... You're assuming here that he's come out of the lodge and he's fully enlightened and he's a genius now and he knows how to push all the right buttons and he's learned all his lessons but dude coming out of the lodge the first thing he did was make another tulpa of himself a doppel uh, without even hesitating or even saying well, let me think about this like i think that might even be a mistake is when has that ever worked out that's what i'm saying it never works out <laughs> right Something it doesn't he, always happens <laughs> doesn't he say at the casino so that might have just been he's very courageous and he's very you know assertive and stuff he's very <laughs> decisive but i'm still not sure that was the wisest decision to make there but i guess we'll let that play out but uh yeah so We'll find out if he's learned his lesson. I don't well, know. Doesn't he say at the casino when he's saying goodbye to Janie E. and Sonny Jim that doesn't he say Dougie will return before catching himself saying I will return? Yes. So I think there's your answer right there. I think that's the reason why he created. But that- even just letting that, I mean, that Dougie could run amok at some point, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. Do you really want somebody that looks exactly like you running around with your fingerprints? Like, you know, <laughs> running, I mean, maybe he'll become a better FBI agent, you know, maybe he'll be a better man, but probably a worse man. And uh, I don't know, I just don't like the idea if I was him of having 
the Dougie and really kind of, you know, kind of being duplicitous to Janie, unless he's going to go Janie, what you have here is a perfectly fine replicant. You know, I mean, is he going to explain it to her? Or is he just going to pass it off and drop her, drop it on the doorstep and that's it and like drive away? No, this is not going to be. With a little like, with a little like Christmas uh, bow on his head. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be Dougie as we know it because that was a, um, it was manufactured from Mr. C from all the darkness. But um, she's going to have to, he's going to have to present this new crit- critter to him, to them, the family and say, this is your dad. This is Dougie. They're not He's not going to say this is a replicant, right? No, it's not going to. There's not. It's going to be. It will either. He'll either show up. There's not going to be two of them. And like, you know, it's going to be like a Freaky Friday scenario where here's this one's coming home and I'm taking off. No, he will return. I'm presuming someone is returning, whether it's Agent Cooper or his Tulpa. And I suspect it's his Tulpa because I suspect Agent Cooper knows that either something's going to happen with his fate or he never intends to go back. And that's why he created his tulpa to give them the father figure and um and husband that they need and deserve and i think he's genuine when he says to her to Janie e and to sunny jim uh, how incredible the time he had with them and the love that he has from them even though he was in a stupor the entire time i believe that it affected him positively but i think that now all of Co- what cooper has known for the 25 years when he's been trapped in the lodge and his uh, meeting with the firemen, I think he's got a greater purpose in 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 life that kind of transcends the real world. I think it trans it, it, it actually incorporates you know the universe and the spiritual world, and I think he knows that. And it's that's the sacrifice that he's not going to be able to go back through that red door himself, but he's giving them that gift. Of yeah, it's kind of like a fairy tale. I like it. I get it. And uh, I understand that it's kind of like a Buddha also reincarnating. You know, he's uh, if you're going to reincarnate somebody, he's a good person to do it. So, you know, hey, let's give him the shot. We'll see what happens. Right. I do hope they give him a differentiating look, though, because we're going to be very confused. <laughs> we're going to get real confused if he shows up and we don't know who the hell. Do you think that's going to happen at all? You think we're going to get any like, who are we looking at here in the next two hours? Well, don't you find Mr. His... C, Dale or yeah. Who well, they who, all who have this? distinct. Well, Mr. C, obviously, and Cooper, we can differentiate. But I think there's a reason why. We're still seeing Cooper without his FBI pin, and the shot, the driving shot that we've all seen in the teaser trailer where we see Cooper, and he does have the pin. I think that's going to differentiate. I think it's going to be like the entire series. The clues are subtle. I don't think it's going to be any big revelation. Okay, you're, I mean, obviously, I think we're going to know, we're going to see the Tulpa Cooper with the one armed man, presumably, and out in the world, and we'll just notice the pin and and associate um, uh, the pin with the tulpa. And when we see Cooper, I think he'll be in Twin Peaks without the pin. And I think we'll know. It might be some. It might be a little disorienting or confusing to some people. But that's Lynch is not going to give you a, a a massive exposition scene, even though we've got a couple so far in the series related to Cooper's fate. So far into the story, right near the finish line. So I, I think that that might be one of the ways that they'll differentiate him is by the FBI pin. Yeah, maybe they'll get the, they'll do a Lynchian recreation of like the lady from Shanghai, the last scene in that, and the mirrors, the House of Mirrors, where Orson Welles or Greta Gerwig shooting at each other. <laughs> right. Off of right. right. So okay, so what about electricity in Twin Peaks? Right. With dude, I think my idea is great. Get Freddy, go shut down the power station, and then the problem is solved. <laughs> That's all you got to do. But he's trapped. He's in the jail cell. Somebody, all he has to do is punch his way out of that jail cell. That thing's rickety. You know, he gets one punch, he's out. Do you think he could actually break through? He's being through? a kind gentleman by staying in there, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, 
I don't know. Do you think he's you're going to see Freddie and James outside of that cell, or it's just going to be self-contained, and that his fate, we're going to see his destiny um, unfold with Naido? I think they're either going to be out of the cell, there's going to be like a break-in where they have to pump bust out to save her with his glove, uh, or they're going to all be transported into some other realm, all five of them. <laughs> some bizarro, <laughs> like Hitchcock's lifeboat, like they're all in the lifeboat, or some, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I think that, but like, uh, yeah, I think something's going to definitely happen with Freddie's glove. It, that's, another, that's another thing that I really want to pay off, and I think it will. You know, Tallulah Bankhead was very sexy in Lifeboat. I just want to say that. Tallulah Bankhead, yeah, man, nice shout-out. I haven't seen – who else? Is Charles Lawton in that? I haven't seen Lifeboat in a long, long time. So no, I, I want to see – Yeah, know. I don't know, but I just – she's a great Hitchcock movie, memorable. early Hitchcock, 40s. Check it out if you want to. But, yeah, I do feel like it's going to be uh, some weird-ass shit's going on down there. And it's like you're saying the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie is going to be the discreet, discreet charm of, like, the Twin Peaks Sheriff Station with all of them having dreams within dreams and interloping in some sort of strange, bizarro scene. I think, I think they're all down there for a reason. I don't know why. Well, I, I guess we'll know probably if they're all still down there. If we get a scene and they're all still fucking down there, you know what I mean? You know what would be really cool is if we go into the jail cell and it's we see that scene again of whoever that character is uh, mimicking. You know, some people speculate it's Billy, you know, with his face, the you know, the string around. Doesn't his... it have to be Billy at this point, Tom? Since <laughs> come no, on, we have no, no more. Oh, it's not. Give no, me that. Would you at least give me that? That's got to be Billy, right? Can we no, just call him not. Billy? Well, no, I don't even want to call him Billy because I don't think it's Billy. Okay, so we have all the characters there. Chad, Naido, obviously James and Freddie uh, are there. What if there's uh, at some point, and this could, it could have been foreshadowing that the camera pans over and we see Sooty number one in the jail cell, just like in part two in yes. Buckhorn. Yes, that could have I would been, love, that's what I'm saying. I want a Sooty invasion, dude. That could be it. I would it. love a Sooty invasion. That I would, keep thinking that something's going to happen at night because we, have we ever seen – what does it look like in there at night? What if you turn the lights off? You know what I'm saying? What are some weird scenes in the jail cell <laughs> with the, the lights off cell. and Lynchian <laughs> insanity? That's what I feel like it's going to happen. Like you kick in the door and the light comes in from some insane thing that's going – I still think there's going to be also perhaps a uh, – you know, the latent uh, you know, sleeper cell bug apocalypse army that's still lying dormant out in the middle of Twin Peaks that could be activated. All the people that have swallowed the bugs. Oh, you think vomiting. that – do you yeah, think we're going to get a, a return of that bug, the part eight, some kind of answer to whoever that girl was? Uh, well, did you did we mention the last podcast that there was that like uh, bug reference, that Egyptian bug symbol on the, the slot machine at the very last when they were pulling out of Janie E, the last time we see Janie and Sonny Jim, they, right. they make a point of it to pull all the way to the far, far end and show it. And well, they showed so, it I twice. Know. I noticed yeah. it twice. I didn't mention it. I mean, I think I forgot, um, but... Yeah, I, 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 it seemed like that second shot, at least, at the end where the camera is pulling When do you back. see it the first time? I think when he's walking, like when they enter like that pit, uh, I don't know if it's called a pit, like within the, like, you know, where the, ja- where the uh, slot yeah. machines are, that you can see that, whatever that machine is, I can't remember what the name of the slot is, but I think you see the, the bug that first time. and then I don't know if there's even a name to it. I saw the symbol, like a pyramid in the background, kind of purpley, and then like the symbol of the... Egyptian, I don't know what the fuck that is. But well, I think it's twice. I think Egyptian it's the, yeah. when Cooper and Janie E and Sonny Jim go in, then then they have their scene, and then Cooper leaves, and then they're looking out at him walking away, and the camera pulls out, and then we see that bug on that the, the, on the image or the screen of the slot machine at that time. So that, I mean, that, but how could, I mean, that. You know, one thing I read, though, is that, like, the bugs aren't necessarily, like, an Egyptian uh, culture or mythology. It doesn't necessarily mean, like, bad. 
You know, it could mean like rebirth, you know, it could be yeah, good actually. Right. And so if you think about that, that realm, when the bugs were hatched out of the mother, well, no, what, did no. the bugs, ha- yeah, no, that's not <laughs> that going to thinking there, like, wait, that's not going to happen. It's like maybe the bugs are good or maybe Laura Palmer was the, bu- I don't know. Disconnect. <laughs> well, okay. So I guess you're right. If the bugs do show up, then that's gotta be bad. It's gotta be the zombie apocalypse. I, I really don't. I, I, I love that. <laughs> Part I want eight. Coop, the whole gang. To, I want there to be a zombie. I don't know why I want there to be something, some shit to go down. You know, not just like something in the lodge. I want some weird shit to happen. What you mean? With lots of people. Like kind of like uh, like the, the, the first scene with the Bobby scene when she comes out in the crazy, like that crazy, some crazy shit happening, but a little bit more of a payoff. You want the not ending just mystery. of... I want something. Do you want the ending of Day of the Locust? Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, with Donald Sutherland being torn apart to bits or whatever. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, it's a great book. But you already did. I ruined it, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have somebody being torn apart by uh, the Twin Peaks madness. Like, I, wanna, I would love to see also, like, the rift in the town, like, you know, fully shown. Like, between the people that are fucked up and then the, the true men, the good and the bad. I'd like to see something along those lines. If we're going to see, you know, the regular Twin Peaks, you know, citizenry at all. If it's not just going to be completely focused on, like, Coop and Audrey and the Red Room and all the stuff that we are we know is gonna we're gonna get. Yeah, you know what's interesting about David Locust is the character played by William Atherton, who was uh, Walter Peck in Ghostbusters. He was, I think, he was like an architect, but then he got hired um, by the studios. This, this is a film that takes place in in, in Los Angeles. And it's a fantastic film. If anyone who hasn't seen it, please check it out. But um, he's he, he's always doodling. He's always writing things, and there's very abstract, surreal images. And the end of the film is uh, at a Hollywood premiere and um, there's just all the, the, the people that, you know, the, the hangers on are trying to get to the stars. Yeah, like a few blocks and, away, like at the, the, the Chinese theater. Right from right? where you are right now, yeah. yeah. Like really and all the images that he was like uh, drawing come to life and it's very surreal. They look kind of like the images in Jacob's Ladder and it's very, it's a very bizarre. Day of the locust, Tom. Yeah. Day of the locust. I know, that's why I say bugs. because of the bugs. It's all Madness. connected, my friend. It's a locust swarm. All, anyway, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the payoff. But, you know, we're probably not going to get that. You know, but, all of uh, our podcasts, actually, just like Twin Peaks and Narrative, if you go back and listen to the very beginning, they're all connected somehow. Murphy and I actually storyboarded each and every podcast. So if you want some Oh, yeah, clues, none of this is improvisational at all. It's all been heavily <laughs> scripted. We actually got a, a, the series. We knew how it was going to turn out in the beginning, so we've been just plotting along. Oh, actually, we were thinking about going back and checking all of our theories and uh, seeing uh, how many, like, I think, I wonder, wonder what I think percentage I, would be. I think I'd be like at, like, a, a two, and you'd probably be at 22. Yeah, I think. I just throw <laughs> so <get> much. <laughs> I throw so much out there, but I just love speculating. I mean, this is what we would be doing. Murphy and I, if we were not recording a podcast, Murphy and I would be talking about this on the phone because we've been talking about Twin Peaks ever yeah, our since entire lives. our entire lives. So, um, and what we do is when we talk on the phone, just we, like this, just like much. this, we just throw stuff, we talk <laughs> and everything. So um, it's just normal that uh, I would just throw all this stuff out there. Cause I have no great insight. I just, that I just well, love what, the do, you, what are, do you have anything to throw out? Like what else? What about Ben and Jerry? Oh yeah. I, that's what I want to do. Thanks for bringing that up. Here I think we, Jerry could show up at some really pivotal moment and do something. You know what I'm saying? Like he's ready to show up in a bizarre Lodgian port. He's, he knows where these things are, you know, maybe he's touched. Like, you know, he's got, like, some knowledge. I think he could show up somewhere and do something interesting. I agree. I'm glad that you brought up Ben and Jerry because here we are at the end, um, and I want to talk about some of these, like, smaller characters or characters that haven't had a lot of screen time 
and to see like maybe where they might fit here in the finale. And for for Murphy and I, Ben and Jerry are our favorite characters from the original series. Obviously, we named our podcast after Jerry's line of chopping wood inside from our favorite chopping episode. wood inside <laughs> from our favorite episode. Yeah, you know Leo. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so Ben and Jerry. So Ben has never left his office in this entire series. And Jerry, other than the one scene in the office with Ben in part one, has never really left. Well, he's left the yeah, woods finally. Yeah, don't you want to see a final scene of them? Like him coming yes. back and regaling him with his with what he's learned? <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I think that since he has been in the woods, obviously, I think something happened to him. and. Obviously, something happened to Stephen and Gersten, or they were influenced somehow by the darkness within the woods. We talked about that in a previous podcast. But I think you're right. I think Jerry might have some kind of crucial uh, piece of information, and he might very well be running to something as opposed to running from something. Yeah, did you notice when he, like, he goes, Dear God. Yeah. Like, when, in that last scene, what does that mean? You know what I mean? That means, like, there's some understanding of what's happening, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that something happened to him, obviously, in the woods. And I don't want to say that he is slowly morphing into a woodsman. I don't think that Jerry is evil. <laughs> I'll say it. Well, <laughs> he kind of looks like he's morphing well, he looks into a like woodsman. It. His eyes are getting really washed out and kind of black. And maybe I'm projecting, but uh, it's kind of creepy. No, but I think I that, it. yeah, I think that the fact that he was listening to Dr. Amp, um, and Dr. Amp is, you know, kind of a, a frost uh, a creation, I would assume, as a frost creation, and it's kind of telling it like it is. And the people who are listening, we've only seen two people watching Dr. Amp. One is Nadine, who uh, had a, an epiphany herself and is one of the few characters in Twin Peaks who is actually uh, doing very well. And uh, um, obviously, you know, let Big Ed go and to return to his true love. And that, that Jerry was watching Dr. Amp and kind of agreeing, albeit getting stoned in the woods. I think Jerry. And it was kind of like when in his scene with Ben, he was being like even more honest than Ben. Ben is a little bit more conflicted, obviously, with his feelings for Beverly and maybe with a uh, little Dickie Horn and, and Sylvia. But Jerry's like he's evolved. OK, yeah, he's like, you know, like smoking you know, pot or doing drugs, but he's honest. And here he is in the woods and he's had a moment. Something has happened. He's seen something or he's felt something and maybe he can't understand it. We certainly as an audience, at least I can't understand it. And his normal reaction is to flee, but he very well might wind up in like a location, whether it's the sheriff's station or something else where the shit might be going down and have something very pivotal to either say or to react in some kind of way that could be beneficial um, to our heroes. Do you think over the credits, like we're not going to see anything, but over the credits, like we're going to see Ben and like it's ben, or Jerry's just like with a bunch of homeless people, like in some street. And then like Ben <laughs> and the family come to pick him up, like to see Martin jerk and the jerk. <laughs> they come get him. <laughs> come on, Jerry. Oh, come God. On, Jerry. Just I just the car. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. I would love one more scene with uh, Ben and Jerry. I would. Dude, did you see the Mark Frost? He tweeted something or he forwarded it. And it was he said he says like, uh. Jerry part 27 and it was like some yogi of, I can't remember I didn't actually read the whole thing I wish I had but it was like a photo of like it's yogi who had gone into like the woods and had some spiritual like he was a madman and it was like a you know a rite of a certain I can't remember what I can't know if it was Buddhist or Hindu or what but they, 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 they would go out and they would have these like dreamscapes where they would become enlightened they like wouldn't eat they wouldn't drink and they would ha they would hallucinate and have visions and, and seem insane 
you know, and then come back enlightened. So, you know, that makes me Jerry's. think of, this has been, obviously for me, it's been a podcast where I've been uh, kind of referencing all these uh, older movies, but just you saying that makes me think of Altered States, where the Bill Hurt character, which was written by Patty Chayefsky, who wrote The Great yeah. Network, but uh, yeah. he goes to, in this search. It was on Hulu. I think it's still on Hulu. You, people should yeah. check it out. It's not as I saw the it CGI is terrible, dude. That movie gave me my first horrible nightmare. I was in New, a New Orleans hotel room on the 13th floor when I was eight years old <laughs> with my brother and my mom and stepdad go, hey, we're just going to go out and enjoy some Mardi Gras. Or, or, uh, we'll be back in a couple hours. And they didn't come back for like 19 hours. And so I spent the entire night in the fucking hotel watching Altered States for the first time and had so many nightmares i still kind of do but i watched it again i broke the fear i was like eight oh, i remember wow. i had to put the rockford files on afterwards to like clear my mind <laughs> my mom finally came home and they gave me like a t-shirt that said like i came to new orleans and all i got was this lousy t-shirt and also this altered states like freak out memory that i still can't lose so on that note talk about the talk about the movie tom no i don't <laughs> want to get into it but basically uh the the william it's kind of lynchian yeah. it, it is very lynchian the william hurt goes on this expedition to i guess procure some um, hallucinogenic compound for his research and he starts taking it he, he goes into this this water tank and he slowly evolves into like a like or devolves into a primate um and goes like you know on the loose he doesn't actually, his girlfriend as well <laughs> i don't remember but i know that the end of that film oh, actually his name is blair brown i believe she's got red hair and i think they have yeah i think she also turns into a they bust out of the the yeah. days and nights of Molly Dodd. Yeah. Well, let's not too, talk too much about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we've digressed. It yeah. made me think of Jerry. Yeah. We're, well, this is worth that. We're really at the Murphy and I could actually go like until the actual premiere as long as we have a bunch of coffee. But uh, we're yeah, not going to go. To up, how would we upload it though? See, we need like a live stream, like a Facebook live, and just have uh, everybody yeah. can come in, and we'd be like, you know, beards, 18, 20 hours, forty <laughs> hours, sixty hours, and just be, we'd turn out like Jerry eventually in the end. We'd be raving lunatics. <laughs> No, we're not going to do that, but we're going to we're going to have an extended I don't want to go out like that, yeah. No. I want to have a little want to go out with a little dignity. Well, this is our yeah, this is our final obviously pre what well, it's not technically a preview because we don't know what's going to unfold in each episode, but this is our going to be our final um podcast before the actual finale. So, um, that's why we're going to we're doing Twin Peaks Jazz. That. We're doing well, I think they might have tuned out by now. They're like, right? really? <laughs> right. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. Do we have yeah. anything to talk about or should we wrap it up? Are we done? No, I think we should. There's a All couple right. other things I want to talk about. We won't go too much longer, but uh, there's we'll stay a, on topic. Yeah. I really what I, I mean, I really want to pick a topic. Uh, well, I, I know we've kind of touched on it, but the three characters that I want to kind of maybe uh, touch on before we wrap this up are uh, Audrey, Sarah and Laura. And possibly Diane with the Naido connection. We've talked a lot about Agent Cooper, but um, the, the idea of uh, uh, Naido and her presence, obviously, at the sheriff's station and Andy communicating uh, to Truman, Hawk, and Bobby of her importance and that people are trying to kill her. Um, obviously, I think Mr. C or the Woodsman would like to maybe you know, kill her. I, I don't know who, who the, the, the people that Andy referenced are. I have a question. Why the fuck did NATO uh, tell him to go Cooper to go through the wrong portal in the beginning? How, how do we, good. Why do we think it was the wrong portal? Well, cause he ended up going through Dougie portal. He could have, he was supposed to go through the third one, right? To get to uh, Mr. C. I thought, no, I don't the 15. She was going, don't go there. Don't go there. No, the, I think that he was originally supposed to go or leave the law, leave uh, the lodge proper and switch with Mr. C. But um, I think because Dougie was manufactured and the evolution of the arm, or the doppelganger of the evolution of the arm, somehow connected to Bob, I'm assuming connected to Bob, uh, prevented that from happening. And then that's where 
Cooper went on a psychedelic, psychedelic journey, first to the glass box, where I believe Mr. C is the anonymous, uh, anonymous billionaire. And that glass box was constructed to possibly either summon the experiment or trap Cooper there. But obviously that didn't transpire and Cooper continued on to the purple room with, with Naido and the two portals. And I think that the first portal would have been, obviously we don't know where it was going, but I believe Naido is good. And by preventing him from going there, I don't think it was preventing him from switching. I think it would make, what if that would have been to right the, into the mother's mouth or the mother's mouth or, the, or that black box in Argentina. <laughs> Yeah, and well, Cooper might have been trapped there. Um, so a portal in the in the astral plane can also go into the the, uh, the little thing in Argentina and soak in a phone call. Voicemail. Is that I, what the voice? See, I was understanding. Is that a voice back? I wasn't. Yeah, we don't know what that is. So I, dude, let's not even talk about that damn thing. It really drives me nuts. That little Argentina what the black box? box? <laughs> Keep talking about everything else. I can't figure that thing out. We never. Well, went. no, I just well you you brought up the number three portal, which is mysterious because we don't know where that would have led. And I don't think we're going to get an answer to that. But I believe Naido. I, I, in the beginning, I had my suspicions, especially when she, before she pulled that lever, if you notice, she has like a curious expression. It's almost, I'm not saying she's smiling, but there's a, kind of a, I wouldn't say a, uh, it's just a mysterious expression on her face, which is different than all of her other expressions because she's been so um, uh, direct in, with Cooper and trying to either communicate with him or preventing him or get first to get him preventing him from going out of that portal and then getting him out of the room but then right before she pulls it she almost has this like kind of resignation of you know like a finality like something is mysterious and then of course we know what happens to her but i don't know where that number three would have led i just presume it was obviously not meant for cooper and 15 obviously led to dougie land and we know even though it took a long time it served a purpose. Well, what if Naida was still Diane in servitude to Mr. C, and uh, but then at the very end she couldn't have him do it? Like the third three would have taken uh, Mr. C straight into the trap, you know. And she well, said, "Don't do it." And then they go up, they go upstairs, and she flips that switch and says, "I'm sacrificing myself. I'm turning the whole shit show around, right. and getting rid of the, the Mr. C option and killing myself essentially." Just to let uh, Coop live. Right, to sacrifice herself. But obviously she didn't die. And I don't know if she knew where she would wind up. But why did you say Diane? Do you think there's a connection between Naido and Diane? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously there's some kind. I think there's. I think there might be. I'm, I'm trying to put that together as to what that would all mean in the larger scheme of things. Like if you watch the whole Naido storyline, would there be uh, any hints that she might be like a reincarnated Diane who's trying to help Cooper, you know, even then she's gone through all this shit, you know, I, I that's interesting to think about. Well, you know, it would like, be I very. Think... Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. No, no I, I just. Think... We're going to think... reveal eventually, I think, of who Naido is. Some, something's going to oh, happen. Oh, it's, so. it's. She's either Naido and the character that we've seen and nothing else. Obviously, I think that she's an agent of, of good or she's Judy. It's, it's one of the two, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Diane. I think Diane's saying, I'm at the sheriff's station. I'm in the sheriff's station. She somehow, obviously, is connected to uh, these events. Uh, the influence of Mr. C being a Tulpa herself, but I don't think her lines actually should be taken at face value. That that means that she is physically there, like either Diane is there or she is trapped in Naido's body or spirit. I think her ending in part 16 was perfect. The Tulpa Diane being 
you know, eliminated having that great line, fuck you to the one-armed man, but now knowing that the real Diane exists. And we know that Cooper obviously has a, a mission not only to thwart Mr. C, I think also to find Laura Palmer, but I think he probably knows that Diane was obviously uh, manufactured from Mr. C. And all these events have happened. Wouldn't because it be poignant to realize that, that was Diane the whole time helping her? That would be pretty cool. Like if you, you know, you'd see that Diane was still alive. That would but be, wouldn't that would it be, be fascinating nice. that if Cooper is, succeeds? And he has a mission, one of his missions that we've talked about, and another mission. I mean, we could go season after season after season, and one of them is to to, to find Diane, the real Diane, who, who very well may be alive. She might be trapped in that motel room just like Jeffrey's. I just don't think that we're going to see Laura Dern again. Um, I don't think that she's Naido. I think, I think we're going to get Judy. I think we're going to get some kind of answer to Judy in part 17 or 18 she's either going to be naida or laura palmer one of the two I'm, I'm i'm fairly certain about that do you think she'll ever actually speak a line even though she can't speak you know what i'm saying like maybe she's in like the wrong time uh, plane if you return her to her own time then she's uh, catches up with the way she's able to speak and communicate possible i mean i i i, I really don't know she's such a mysterious character um, like, will she chirp like a bird? Just say, I am Judy underneath, you know, like in the subtitle. <laughs> and we'll be like, oh, there she is. All right. <laughs> I don't know. But the fact that she, for me, it was more <laughs> monkey I'm sounds Judy. than yeah. bird sounds. Oh, that's true. She was, they're kind of monkey. And we too. know the connection from. Dude, Pum- what about the monkey? Are we going to see the monkey? Well, I hope so. I really do. I mean, because <laughs> when Jeffrey's. I kind of don't. Because I mean, like, because then it just adds a whole bunch of other, you know, then it's just like, what the hell? Well, a monkey I never understood. Really. Don't you think we're going to get a what the hell moment? Um, here well, at the no, end? yeah, fuck it. We're give us a million what the hell moment. <laughs> give us all what the hell moments. Well, but, uh, Jeffrey, sure, Jeffrey said in Fire Walk With Me during his um, scene at the FBI uh, office in Philadelphia, he said, uh, and then uh, and then there they were, or, that, and then there, or that, there they were, or whatever. So he says that. And you see the little yeah, boy. Yeah, kind of like a revelation that she finally, she finally saw them for who they were. Well, like, yeah, maybe. but you see the, the, the little boy, yeah. Mrs. Tremont's grandson, with the mask, and he pulls the mask away. And when he says, and, there, and then there they were, you see the monkey. So it's almost like behind the and mask, that's, that's, that's who they Yeah. <laughs> well, do you think, remember the ending of Inland Empire? What color were the monkey? Was it a blue monkey? No, I think it was just the, the actual, like, uh, like in the part – Four with Albert and uh, Cole. Didn't you mention that like Lynch uh, has a, a love for spider monkeys as well? So he's got. Well, yeah. Him. Remember, I was going to mention Inland Empire. He has <laughs> more this spider scene. monkeys just unleashing spider monkeys on right. sets throughout his career. Is that what he's been doing? I think he has. You know, what's fascinating is if you read one of the interviews that Lynch gave um, in the last couple of years when he was actually writing the script with Frost, and no one knew that he was. Um, Someone, obviously, every interviewer, I think, asked him, like, what are you working on? Do you think you'll make another film or return to Twin Peaks? Well, one of the interviews that he gave, he said that he had an idea related to a monkey named Jack. And that was it. So, and that was when he was writing the Twin Peaks. Now, of course, this could be a separate story. This could be him just fucking with the interviewer. Or it could be a part of Twin Peaks. Now, obviously, we haven't had a monkey um, in the series, and I don't think he would reveal it, especially if it's going to be here in the last two hours. But I think Lynch definitely has a monkey fetish or, or likes monkeys. Yeah, well, I'd love to see it. Here's a weird theory. What Do you think it's possible? Like, remember my theory a couple episodes ago or pods ago that I thought the guy 
uh, the Zawalski guy was an agent of the White Lodge. Remember that? Yeah, I, yeah. I talked about that. What if, do you think maybe Tracy could have been the agent for the White Lodge? Because rewatching episode one again, she definitely was trying to scope in. She was trying to like break into that place, you know? Yeah, I mean. She was an agent of the White Lodge. It, what if she was on a mission? It's possible. The only thing that really. Because who else would have hired her? Who do you think, you know? Well, yeah, we, yeah, right. We don't know. I think these. Yeah. that's one of these mysteries, mysteries that we're never going to get a proper answer to. But it is interesting that she worked at whatever that coffee shop was had the Z's, like wasn't it? Yeah, it was and Zawaski, and then yeah. the pie, the bakery yeah. at outside yeah. of Lucky Seven was Simon's with a Z. Yeah, right. And did you did you tweet about this or somebody was like Sam that uh, Hutch talked about? Could it be this Sam? Sammy, he died. Good guy. No, I he didn't. Did. I I talked about Sammy, but um, obviously Sam was the character that uh, Tracy. Well, that he was the watcher of the glass box, but yeah. So if Mr. C was running that glass box, it's conceivable that Hutch could have met Sam because they both worked for Mr. C. It's possible. I, I think that's a stretch, but you know I'm always wrong anyway. So what the hell do I know? Um, we'll never know. Oh, one thing I wanted to talk about with the Inland Empire thing, and you had mentioned in a previous podcast. Do you think you asked me if I thought there would be an epilogue? And I kind of laughed at it, and I didn't <laughs> think that there would be. But the last hour will just be an epilogue. <laughs> but the end of we'll it, wrap this whole thing up in hour. The now. end of Inland Empire. There is an epilogue where the Laura Dern character, she was the main character in the film, is in I believe the same location where the film began, or at least her storyline began. And you see some of the characters uh, that we had seen throughout the whole film, but some additional characters. And then the Sinner Man song plays, like yeah, the entirety. Simone, and yeah. you see yeah. a, a, like a woodsman kind of character sawing a log, and you see a, a monkey. And uh, I think Nastasia Kinski gets thrown in there somewhere. And I think Laura Herring from Mulholland Drive is in was there. Was it a spider monkey? I think it was a spider monkey because <laughs> he asked for that spider Dude, monkey. Dude, maybe that was Judy. <laughs> Didn't okay. What I also saw somebody tweeted like I think like on a Jay Leno Tonight Show uh, appearance in like 1991. Like Lynch goes, I just wanted to say, can I say hello to my friend Judy? Hey Judy, oh. like he said hello to Judy. Who the fuck is Judy in Lynch's real life? I think that I read somewhere, and I could be making this up. I know, I know Linda. I, I'm pretty certain Linda. I think Lynch's first two girlfriends as an adolescent. I know one of them was Linda. I think the other one was other other one was named Judy. Oh, okay. I'm not saying that was his reference at that particular point, but um, it it could be. I always suspected that part eight um, was self-contained and that whole little interlude, that scene of the the girl and the boy showing basically innocence, representing innocence and a first kiss and first love was probably the most nostalgic um, scene of this series for Lynch. I'm not saying that it was taken from his real life, but just because it was 1956 when he was around 10 years old, Lynch loves that year, loves the 50s, that um, for some reason, I think that there might be some sentimentality or some nostalgia for Lynch. And the fact that if that if he named, if he named that character, obviously she's girl in the credits, but we have a Linda, we have a Judy who maybe were, were or not maybe, but were Lynch's first girlfriends. You show a first kiss, and then you show this girl like kind of just pouring over her mind in bed, listening to the radio, thinking about her first kiss, and then moments later, this evil bug crawls into her mouth, ultimately you know corrupting her. Not saying about his past life, but what it's saying about you know our society, and you know how at some point in our lives, like. Everything gets corrupted. Love is corrupted. 
You know, everything gets corrupted. Are you saying that like all of us in one way or another have our own bugs in our throats? Yeah, I think so. I think Lynch even oh, has that's that. A yeah. Bitter, bitter realization for Well, you. no, I think it's the yin and the yang. <laughs> no, I think you're kind of right. I can see what you're saying. I get the metaphor. Yeah. Okay, let me finish my Inland Empire thing, the epilogue. Do you think that the ending, we're talking about this great ending, right, of maybe Cooper and Mr. C and Laura or, you know, in the lodge, the White Lodge, the fireman or whatever. But do you think, I mean, the credits are going to roll over something. Do you think the credits might roll at the Roadhouse, Julie Cruz, you know, uh, at the Roadhouse? Yes. And here we see characters in Boost. Remember in Part 14, the, the original series, uh, it is happening again. And we saw yes. Bobby, we saw James, mm-hmm. we saw Donna, Riggs. the one our or not the one uh, the uh, the Senior Drool Cup. That we see some All of our characters in Booths, yeah. and Julie Cruz was, is singing. Was Dougie Milford there? <laughs> I don't think so. Did you show up? But <laughs> I think that's that's how it might end. Um, that might be our actual proper ending. Kind of like a nostalgic, because like at the end yeah. of, the, of episode two, you know, like when they did the James is always cool, you know, that gave you a real nostalgia feel, like, you know, with Shelly there and James. I would love to have something like that. would kind of be an epilogue, actually, like a happy ending. It, it would. Because like, I, I still feel there's going to be like a smash, a smash cut ending, <laughs> even though like Audrey, like the Audrey <laughs> thing last time. I think something like that would be super yeah famous. no it's it's uh <clears throat> excuse me i got a bug in my throat but i would love to see that scene a bug in your throat i actually have yeah right after i said that i've got a frog well, not a throat? literal bug oh, Jesus, Tom. <laughs> i said bug just because we were talking about we may uh, find out what the doppel tom sounds like after this <laughs> okay, tom. but no how with um today? how are you today <laughs> tommy hello johnny how are you today <laughs> um I heard somebody theorize what if audrey's trapped in johnny's fucking uh, teddy bear <laughs> what <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I love it. I was like, that's a great fucking idea, man. Oh, wow. It's all in there. Wow. Yeah, because that thing is a definitely – I bought that was Bob's teddy bear, don't you think? Well, I – How did Johnny Horn get Bob's teddy bear? No, that teddy – Maybe uh, maybe you just got – maybe like uh, Johnny – or uh, little Dickie Horn got it in the mail mysteriously <laughs> when he was like two years old from like Mr. C, and it's a Lodgian Bob – Critter. Well, that's definitely not a Johnny inherited a normal teddy bear. Yeah, so I don't know, but um, <laughs> I told you. I think even when we reviewed that episode, I thought it looked like there was some garmambuzia inside that fucker. What? Oh, the inside mouth, it. right? I think it's just yeah, it gnarled teeth like or some something. Golden weird. Like he, behind the golden teeth, so it was like fur, I think. Right. But it looked kind of like it could be some uh, weird shit. Just to wrap up the potential. <clears throat> excuse me. Here, the the bug is returned. Let's see, it's happened. No, it's like happening. remember James's okay. performance? Obviously, just you and I at the roadhouse which was obviously a callback to um, episode nine of the original series. And then we just had Audrey's dance at the Roadhouse in this last episode. Um, We know that the Roadhouse, and I I tweeted this the other day, there's that line by the log lady when uh, the episode where Leland kills Maddie, where she goes to the sheriff's station and she has that message. We don't know um, know, when or, or how, but there are owls at the Roadhouse. And obviously there's something going on at the roadhouse, at least that's tied to Audrey's narrative, that there might be some really Lynchian weirdness over the credits um, with some of our characters while Julie Cruz is singing, either falling. Why do you think that? You've said that, you, I think you mentioned, you actually tweeted out the Center Man thing, like what gives you, you're just feeling that? It's just, just a gut, yeah. It's, it's yeah. one of the like thousands of things that I've thrown against the wall. I know the credits are going to run, and uh, Julie Cruz is on the cast list. You mean like the end of the Cosby show, the old days? Not to bring up that show again, but then we'll be dancing and shit. No. Yeah. Over the credits like See, that? I hope like personally that. that the Roadhouse scene with Jolie Cruz, which I'm presuming is happening, will happen at. I'd like to see Andy Bray dancing on the credits. 
I hope the scene happens beforehand um, and that the end of the show is – and we have the credits is something very mysterious like with Big Ed uh, at the double R in part eight – um, at that motel, um, the blue, uh, the red diamond motel, and not like a song over the credits. I hope that's what we get, but you know, one never knows. Well, I think it's, it will be indicative. I think of what the future of the show is by how they choose to end this thing. You know, if they do do like some sort of Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, like everyone's eight epilogues and you know really sum it up, and we've you know got that good feeling, and everyone's at the roadhouse, and then, then that could mean that could mean that they really that's it. What I would you know, like they do a smash cut yeah. with a big cliffhanger. Then they probably want to keep. Doing I would it. love if it opened like the final episode, part eighteen. So we'll have an hour, part seventeen. But then part t- part eighteen opens, or part seventeen ends. Bleeding. Yeah, is it going to end? Like, is it? Do we have to like? Do I have to on Hulu? Have to fucking stop? I don't know. Seventeen and start eighteen because I want to watch the whole thing through. I hopefully. do too. Why not? I think it'll happen on Showtime, but I suspect on on Hulu it'll be um, it'll be broken up. But maybe seventeen will end at the Roadhouse. Over the credits, and then eighteen. Oh yeah, that would make yeah. sense. That yeah. that might that might happen because it would kind of wrap up like Twin Peaks, and then you go into the lodge for the last hour, like they did at the, at the end of season two. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and then or go find Laura if you want to do that. <laughs> and also, I have a feeling that Sarah Palmer is going to show up under that full moon or something. Like the mother, you know, Sarah's not done. We're not done with no, Sarah. No, no, we're not done with Sarah. But so, so okay. Let, let's just maybe wrap it up with this: Mister C wanting to find a place. Is that place the location near Jackrabbit's Palace? Is that where the coordinates lead? I don't think so. I think it's something else. I don't know why, but I think it's something else. Because, like, okay, so the coordinates that everybody's been getting was not uh, – Briggs didn't put those uh, – we don't know. Like, he didn't actually write those coordinates on that little note that Bobby got, right? He just said 253 from Jackrabbit's right, Palace. Right, right. So it could conceivably be something else. And I think it might be because it would be boring to go back there. I think. Yeah, it makes Just for that reason. Yeah, it makes sense to me that what Briggs was doing is that he realized when he was hibernating, when Hastings and Ruth showed up, and I think he probably suspected that others would come, so he ordered them to get him the coordinates, knowing because we know that Briggs is a seer, knowing that Mister C wanted these coordinates, and I think what Briggs did was he set the trap for that stone in part 16 where little Dickie Horn was electrocuted. So I don't think it led to, obviously it's near Twin Peaks, but those coordinates were a trap. That was the final end game for Briggs. Well, hopefully we'll see him again to eliminate uh, Mr. C. So I think that um, the coordinates that either Diane has, I'm assuming that Diane has the same coordinates. So I suspect that it's Jeffrey's coordinates that are the right ones. Are the right ones. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, because if Diane's were not, because Diane got be hers the same. from Briggs. It's got to be yeah, the so same. Briggs, yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. saying. So the place, I don't think is, um, I, I think the place is going to be that location because I don't think Mr. C want or uh, Ms. Briggs wanted Mr. C to go. Is to, it going to be under the full moon? Yes. Like the that there. Yeah. yeah. Now the question is, is it ten two at two fifty three? We don't know. Yeah, it's guy. I would think that has to be true. Yeah, I mean that. I, right? I'm really hoping. That's why the big rush. Right. I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So and so that's it. So it that's why when I was talking earlier tonight, that Mr. C wants these coordinates to that location. We know where that location leads. It leads to the firemen, and that is this domain of light of goodness. That that's where he wants to infiltrate or corrupt, or maybe that's somehow uh, a place. For him or a path for him to return to the experiment well we don't know 
But um, I think that he's going to wind up showing there. I don't think we're done with that location. I think it very well may be 10-2 at 253. But the real big mystery is how I think uh, he would be thwarted by that. If anything, I think Naito um, will have a, a, a say in that. Because obviously that's where she was. Well, from. how? She had to bust out of the jail cell station? They're gonna, are they going to bring her up there yeah, or something? She's either going to be somehow eliminated uh, by Woodsman or whoever at, in the jail cell or Sarah presumably, possibly, I mean, um, or she, she gets out and returns to that location. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, talking about epilogues, I wouldn't mind if like, you know, we have a crazy, you know, the epilogue could be the credits of just like, cause Cooper has never had a chance. He's running and gunning still. Like I just have a scene of him just like eating a piece of pie at the end. It's over. Like, he's, everything's happy. <laughs> Didn't we have that? He's just eating pancake. Yeah. He's just like, he's got a, like maybe a whole table full of food, like, all these <laughs> delicious foods. Cause he's so hungry. <laughs> he's just eating. Well, he just That'd had his great. finger sandwiches. So I think he's satisfied at least for a little bit. He, needs more than that. he does yeah, need yeah. more than that. But <laughs> that's really what's fascinating is that Mr. C's storyline this whole time, really, it's just been about coordinates and getting to that place. And here we are. I think he's going to get there. And I think that Cooper is going to want to stop him, obviously, before he, I'm assuming it's, it's the, the place near Jack Rabbit's palace, before he can get sucked in. Or maybe Cooper gets sucked in with him. The whole mystery with that is how Laura Palmer ties into that because I think she does somehow because of what we saw in part eight with uh, the firemen. Um, but really the, the big, big mystery is where has Senorita Dido gone? What happened to her? What do you mean? She's still up there with the giant. We have only seen she her. She was just out of shot. Remember the first shot you, you speculated that she was in the shot just a little bit out of shot or just, she was in the room, but just a little bit out of the, the original, the first shot we saw of Cooper in the giant in episode, whatever that was one. Well, we just saw one in episode 14 when, uh, you know, Andy showed up that maybe she was just out of shot, out of frame, but I imagine she was around, right? She's up there. Well, yeah, I, I, that's, I was hoping that, but um, when I didn't... S- I would love to see her again. That's what I'm saying is that what if... I wanted her to be the hum. What, what if she is somehow like a key figure? Obviously, she's tied to the fire. she's the dreamer. She could be anything. I'm not saying yeah, she's like that, that. Or, or Judy or anything, but she could somehow, especially if we have another scene, I suspect that we're going to get another scene with a fireman in that location. Um, oh, yeah. That maybe we get Senorito Dido, and she somehow is integral um, to what unfolds at that location. We Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen, but I would love to see her again. She was so... Uh, such a great uh, presence and her the whole scene where she actually got the the orb and her expression this pure you know light and the kiss she didn't have any dialogue obviously just so memorable uh, I would love to see her again yeah me too I would like to see that in an epilogue yeah <laughs> put her in there do you have think we're gonna get any more battlemente cues um, now that we're probably gonna spend oh, most yeah. of our time in Twin Peaks I would think so. That would be nice. I, I like that. I think we are. We're in Twin Peaks now. I think we're going to get lots of battle- Badalamente keys. And almost like we could go into Badalamente fever other than going into the lodge type scenes. Right. Um, but, the, you know, I don't know. There might not be much room for nostalgia, but I think there would be. Like when you when Gordon and Cooper or when, like, you know, Harry Tr- – or, you know, I guess not Truman, like Andy and he shows up again at the, at the sheriff's station. Oh, you know the Badalamente will be rolling. Okay, so one – okay, one question here. If there is to be some major surprise, like – pertaining to a cast member if it if there's a possibility if this does happen who would you be your top three choices for a surprise cameo a surprise cameo like someone just showing up out of the blue yeah like i don't know how that would even happen how, how is that possible well just say like for me like like i think harry truman would be near the top we've had references oh, to him we've saying. had a reference to annie 
uh, like a Josie. Uh, well, here at the end of the season, it would be Wind bizarre. Like I can't. I guess Harry would be the only one that would be that would make any damn sense to show up now. You know what I mean? Well, like, Josie could possibly because because uh, basically Cooper would go see Harry. Right. He's going to right. Twin Peaks. He'd go right. see Harry. So that. So yeah, that would be. The but scene. also say, I mean, possibly Annie. He could go see Annie. Ah, oh, that would be really fucked up if she did if he did that. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. I don't know why they would be hiding her, you know, because it's not like they're they're. I mean, people don't think they're like destined to be true love. They were just like kind of fooling around. I think they weren't even. I never felt that they were that he was like they were destined for each other and that she was his true love. But I'd sure I'd be into it. Why not? Well, no, it's just because of obviously the ending of the original series and her fate was tied to his failure. And remember Norma said when she was telling Walter, basically, you know, ending their not only their business relationship, but their personal relationship, that she wanted to spend more time with her family. Now, I think that could be read two ways. I think it could be read uh, in one way is her family at the double R. Obviously, she's owned it forever and all the the staff. uh, It's like a family to her. But I think it also could be um, her like family, like whether it's Annie or whoever. We don't know who else, nieces, nephews, something, but it's possible. That could have been a, sl- a subtle clue. Little Hank Jr. <laughs> little Hank Jr. From, uh, right. Coming back from the Little Dorrits. Was it the Little Dorrits um, <laughs> adoption agency or a home for orphans? Remember? Is that what it is? I, I, yeah. I'm, that's a, that's a, well, you know, Annie Recalled. would be fan yeah. service. If people would love that for sure. I love Heather Graham. I, I would well, I'm just saying. Her. I would love to see Dale, Dale have a little happiness. But I would also, if suddenly he just goes over to, uh, you know, her you know, Annie's house there at the end, I'd be like, I think he's cheating on Janie E. I'd start feeling a little you know, <laughs> a little guilt. What about Sonny Jim? Yeah, what's that all about? You know. Well, so, no, I, I'm just, I just, I just, yeah, no, I, I think it's possible that we might get some kind of surprise cameo, and I think the number one surprise character or candidate would be Harry Truman because we've had all these, not all these, but several instances where um, Frank, his brother, has been talking to Truman. They could have very, or Harry, they very well could have um, either killed off the Truman character or just not referenced him at all. So um, I think that's a possibility, like you said, if with Cooper coming back, that if they're going to go that route, that we could get um, a scene with Harry. And I would love that. I loved Michael Ankin. I It wasn't like the greatest performance, especially compared to Kyle McLaughlin, but I loved their chemistry. I thought they were great um, together. And uh, the little Holmes and Watson, I love that uh, scene where where Truman says that he's going to you know, have to start studying medicine because he's starting to feel a lot like Dr. Watson. And I just love their dynamic. And it would be great to see a little scene of uh, Michael Ankin. I just hope it's not on Skype. I hope they actually, actually... I mean, actually shot him in like, <laughs> or filmed it in an actual location and saw them together. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it would be a real scene, but um, yeah, no, I'd love that. I'd love all that stuff. I'd love, I mean, you're saying though, you, to have scenes like this, you would kind of connote that there would be some sort of epilogue or time to even do stuff like this instead of just going into the, the journey and that's it. You know, I don't know how much time we have for this. Yeah. We don't know what, nice, obviously what's going to happen, but how much time is going to take place in say Twin Peaks or how much time is going to take place in the lodge or uh, the the fireman's domain above the convenience store? All these things. It's just I really think that we're in for like a huge treat, and uh, it's going to be mind blowing. I really think that 
Uh, it, the last three episodes especially has really had this fantastic momentum. And now that Cooper has actually returned, and I suspect Laura is going to return as well, and everything is finally, finally at the end converged into Twin Peaks. And I think we're in for something really, really special, but I also think we're in for something like very mysterious and abstract, which I love because for me, those elements, the bizarre elements, are uh, some of the most fascinating things in the world of, of Twin Peaks. And I just love how mysterious it is, and I love speculating, and I love what Lynch creates, and I love like not knowing. And uh, I really just can't wait to, to see it all unfold before, you know, not only my eyes, but to, to hear what everyone has to say, because I think we're going to be talking about it for years to come. I just hope we have another season. Um, at some point to uh, to bridge so we can, you know, we could talk about things that might be happening in a, in a, in a uh, presumptive fourth season. Yeah, he's really set the bar high this season, man. I'm not I'm expecting nothing less than like the best two hours of television I've ever seen in my life to come in the next two days. Yeah, the- so I hope it does live up to our expectations. But man, it's been a great uh, surpassed my expectations of the series. I never thought it could be as good as it is. Uh, so obviously he is at a level in Frost that I can't even conceive. So I, I'm fully preparing to, you know, just let it wash over me and probably not even understand part of it, you know, for a while, which I fully hope. And to completely be something that's totally unexpected because every step of the way he has zagged when I thought he was going to zig. And that's why I love him. You never know. Every other show on television, you can kind of see the formula being played out, not in Twin Peaks, man. And that's why so many people can't watch it because it's there's not it's not accessible uh, for a mainstream person who's expecting to get those cues to the you know, okay here's what was you know that he just totally redefined it and i think it's gonna it's gonna be you know appreciated down the road a lot more it is than it is like uh is a mass uh product so boy i'm excited uh i probably won't be able to sleep the next two days i'm so no excited. i uh, do you have any last yeah, thoughts no. one <laughs> of the things that we haven't really discussed a lot we've we've uh we've touched on you know some uh moments here and there but the overall aesthetic uh, Murphy and I talk a lot about this, you know, when we're talking on the phone, but the actual aesthetic, the actual uh, composition of shots, the actual edit- editing, the choice of uh, musical cues or sound design, that's something that we're going to go into greater detail in future podcasts because once the series ends, Murphy and I, we're just getting warmed up. What we're going to do is we're going to do an actual um, uh, commentary of each episode probably on average of once a week. I mean, we're, you know, depending on our schedule, but uh, we're going to get, why are you sending us to these? Uh, I don't We even discussed this. What if we want to do like 10 episodes in the final? The oh, no, 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 we're, 15, no, we're going to, no, we're going to, I, I, we're going to do a lot. <laughs> uh, you know what? I want to do an entire episode on just, I'm going to put you through the hell of talking about the significance of every song in Twin Peaks <laughs> and how it is a perfect match and how Dean Hurley should be nominated for some sort of Emmy for his sound mixing and sound design and composition and the way uh, everything other than Viva Las Vegas, I give him an A plus plus. So, Put that down, fans. If you want to listen to that one, uh, it's coming. Yeah, well, then, okay, if I, if, if, if I have to indulge you with that, then you have to indulge me talking, <laughs> like, you know, endlessly about Judy. Just the coordinates. An entire episode on the Judy. coordinates. Just all coordinates. I love Judy. Well, there, hopefully there'll be a little more meat on the bone of the finale that we can right. actually, you know, discuss other than the one scene we've <laughs> been discussing for 25 consecutive No, years. I just wanted to communicate um, to everyone out there that it's not going to all be, like, once we start returning to yeah don't worry we'll still but no it's going to be we're going to broaden our scope in the sense that it's not going to be you know more like theories obviously we're not going to be speculating on what might you know be transpiring or or coming is that 
because there won't be no new episodes. Um, so we'll obviously be, be touching on all these mysteries and what they mean to us, but we're going to delve uh, dive really deep into everything. Like I said, the whole aesthetic. Um, eventually, we're going to do um, some additional um, uh, shows on uh, like Lynch's, uh, Lynch-specific projects, uh, namely some of his films or whatever. And obviously, we're going to do one on the final dossier. Um, when that book comes out, that's going to be a yeah. Ooh yeah, we should do it on the secret history. We should well, yeah, dude. we that's should. And, and ultimately, what we want to go reread that immediately or listen to the audio book as soon as this. is I agree. Over, and we also what we're going to do yeah. is at some point um, we we did a podcast on uh, our origin story, Mur- Murphy and uh, and me, our origin story of how we came to Twin Peaks and Firewalk with Me. But we really didn't get into the show specifically, other than touching on a couple of topics. But we're going to do the same thing like we're going to do for the return in, in eighteen hours. We're going to go through. Uh, the episodes of the original series. So we're not going to be lacking for any content. And as long as you all will keep listening, we're going to keep on recording. So, um, cause Murphy and I would be talking about this anyways. And uh, we've just really loved all of, uh, obviously the series, but connecting with fans and, uh, and, and other detectives on all the social media platforms. I mean, for me, that's been like the great joy, obviously the show, but, uh, these people, I mean, you know, these 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 friends that we have uh, that we've you know we've touched, not, not touched, but we've we've connected with. Um, it's that's been a great, great, great uh, discovery, and I, I'm hopeful that we'll continue to communicate in the future because uh, Murphy and I won't be stopped. You know, we're not going to stop talking about Twin Peaks because Twin Peaks is is eternal. So my final thought is it is eternal. I, uh, no, finish with your. Thought oh yeah, no, I, I really no. I'm just like I, I'm not going to be able to sleep for the next 48 hours. I mean, here and there, cat nap, but uh, I really can't wait and uh, really to to watch it, and then we're going to be on Sunday night. <laughs> Who knows? Are you going to break out the conspiracy map? <laughs> I don't know. So you can map this thing out? I don't out? know, yeah. My own living map? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I'm excited, and uh, I just want to thank everyone uh, that's been so supportive. And uh, we're not done yet, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, Sunday night. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. So uh, on that note, we'll see you guys in about, what, 40, 42 hours? Uh, in the meantime, uh, we're going to be probably nonstop talking about Twin Peaks, thinking about Twin Peaks. Uh, we're both rewatching the entire season starting now. Um, I think, do you already have it on? I'm on episode Yeah, I'm at the two. end of but, part uh, two. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of people are yeah. doing that now because we're finding other clues. So, yeah, you can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. In the meantime, while we're all waiting, uh, and then you can also find us on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. We love all the fun. We've been getting great reviews. Views from you guys. Thanks a lot. So keep it up. Uh, yeah, and until next time, uh, thanks for tuning in.